0: Welcome to the Spent the Rent podcast. I am your host, Patty Rose. My guest today is House District 12 Precinct Chair for the Democratic Party of Lane County, Irene Hengem. Irene, welcome to the show.
1: Hi. So
0: this is really cool. Glad to be here. Yeah, this is really cool. Thank you for doing this. It's New Year's Day. Uh, I took a huge break. I took like three weeks off from the podcast, which I haven't done, or two and a half, whatever. I haven't done since I started, but I needed to. I needed a break. I needed to kind of... Uh, reset everything. And it's New Year's, which is all about resetting. Uh, this is the 150th episode of the Spent the Rent podcast, which is something I'm extremely proud of. And in over the last two years or so, roughly, uh, I've been working with the Democratic Party of Lane County, and you host all the meetings that I uh, attend as a precinct committee person. And so I thought it would be great to talk to you more at length about why you got into uh, local government and you know, what it is that makes you passionate about the work you do. So thanks again for doing this. Sure, no problem. So first of all, let's just get right into it. Uh, Irene Hengem, like I had said before, House District 12 Precinct Chair for the Democratic Party of Lane County. I'm probably going to say DPLC from now on. (laughs) Uh, When did you get involved in local politics in Oregon?
1: Um, In Oregon, I think it was probably in the 1990s during the, I think it was the No on 9 campaign. Uh, oregon went through a whole bunch of uh, anti- uh, lgbtq ballot measures back then and um so fighting those uh, that was my first active campaign and then um i also when uh the obama when obama ran for president that was when i got like the most involved
0: yeah that was definitely for me i'm you know a little bit younger that Ob- the obama campaign was the first time i actually felt like there was Something promising for hope. You know, we learned a lot about the challenges of getting stuff done in a two party system, totally. you know, with Obama, but I still think he was a great president. Oh, he's awesome. You know, and I miss being able to see the president on Ellen, you know.
2: I know.
1: <laughs>
0: so, no, I mean, whatever. Joe Biden's just not as personable, but.
1: No. So,
0: uh, so he's yeah, an awesome
1: guy, but. He's not camera ready all the
0: time. No, I think, yeah, I mean, and we'll get into it a little bit about the national stuff. But really what me and you, our focus is so much on local stuff, you know, and and I think that sometimes when when people people hear the word Democrat, they're like, they think immediately about the Obamas and the Bidens and -hmm. they forget about the Patrick Stutz and the Irene Hengems, you know, you know, the people that are doing stuff locally that are great. And that's why I started this show. Uh, and I, has been a benefit of, of the show. So you talked about your motivation, uh, you know, in the 90s. It's funny because a lot of young LGBT pe- uh, people in the community don't realize or not. That's not that they don't realize. I don't think that they get the full scope of just what we were facing back in those days. Totally. And I say we because my mom is a lesbian and it's something I'm, I'm extremely passionate about. Uh, and I, And it is also for me something that got me motivated to get more involved. Who are some of your uh, political influences? Let's start with just nationally, like big scope, and then we'll go local. So who are some of your okay. political influences nationally? Well, I
1: have to say, first of all, the biggest political influence in my life was my mom.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, she used to take my brother and I with her campaigning when we were kids. Um, and she worked for a lot of different campaigns. In uh, We grew up in South Dakota. Which being a Democrat in South Dakota has always been really challenging. Um, but my mom, yeah, she's probably my biggest political hero.
0: And in South Dakota, you have to get four votes to win an election, right? So,
1: <laughs> yeah, basically. So, so yeah. no.
0: And three of them are Republican, <laughs> and then it was your mom. No. Yeah, no basically.
1: No. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, that's cool. So, um, and, you know, in those days, it was a lot of knocking on doors and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And we're gonna talk about duties as a precinct chair. I, I was Googling and just kind of doing some research and one of the notes that I wrote down that I really thought was cool just says ordinary people doing the real work, you know, so people that are just your average, these are volunteer positions, you know, and I mean, your work is, is primarily within the Democratic Party, but they're doing work for people across the board. And, totally. and the big thing is, is turning out voters. So knocking on doors, you know, pre COVID, we haven't really done that much since covid but then phone banks which i'm bad about i'm i'm very open about this that i the phone banks where you're calling people constantly i'm just so i'm bad at it the minute that people You're are not like, alone. Yeah, it's ha- it's hard. I know it's effective because it you know you wouldn't do it. I mean, I know there's a lot of analytics.
1: Yeah, it's the second most effective um, way of getting a hold of people. Obviously knocking on doors is the most effective way to turn out a voter. But then I think after that it's probably phone banking, um, and I think nowadays text banks are more common, which I think are even more effective than phone banking in some ways because you get a higher rate of, I don't know, contact or whatever. I just
0: worry with with those kind of mediums that you're only reaching the people that are already doing it, that are already voting, because mm-hmm. then it disenfranchises the people that that you know are maybe kind of on the fence if they even care. You know, it's not that they don't care. It's that they feel like they can't, their vote doesn't matter or whatever else. Yeah. And so I don't know. It's it's difficult. What are some of the other duties as a precinct chair that maybe people may be unaware of?
1: Uh, for me, I think it's the most is organizing the other precinct people yeah. and finding ways to plug them into um, volunteer opportunities. You know, because really turning out voters is our main
0: Job, really? Right. Um, Yeah, I think you know. it's really it's really inspiring to me. I, I think I was talking to Zach Passett about this, and he was saying something about the Democratic Party, and I was like, you know, I think that you're you're I, you have to listen to the episode, but we were talking about like there was this kind of idea of how people are, and I'm like, no, man, I've done I've told people like I'm not going to do these things that you want me to do, and people are like, no, that's fine. We want a really big umbrella. And and that's the thing that I was a little nervous about because I signed up to do this. And then I'm like, how much do I really want to commit? I really want to just bump elbows and meet some people, network and just do what I can do, bring what I can do. And I felt like you more than anybody made me made that perfectly clear that that's totally acceptable. And And I really appreciate that because people think that they that when you get involved in local politics, that you need to become this person that other people are and it's like no you need to bring what you bring to the table to the table and so that's probably a lot of what you do is trying to trying to keep people from from dipping out when they're getting a little down on themselves there's a lot of there's a lot of psychology behind it you know and so oh yeah totally you know and the meetings i think are adorable when you're running them because you're like i don't know how this works (laughs) i'm
1: so bad i am the
0: worst let's talk about that for now you know, Zoom meetings. I was going to do this later, but this is a good segue. Everything has switched to Zoom, uh, you know, because of COVID. What are some of the pros and cons that you've seen?
1: Oh, the biggest pro is it's easier to go to a meeting for, yeah. for most people because you can just sit in your your own living room and attend a meeting. And you can also do other things while you're at a meeting um, kind of a multitask thing. Like, you just did- turn off your camera, and you can, you know. Yeah, you can do step away.
0: Do you think that there's more civic participation, uh, especially with young people, because of this? Because of the access that people that actually like technology, that you know. I think more- so. Yeah, that's yeah. what that's what I've seen. I mean, me, I I have joined this committee since COVID hit, and so I have never been to an in-person meeting, and they've talked about. You know, I see the excitement on your face when you talk about like, oh, we're probably going to do one soon. And I'm always like, uh, I don't want you guys to know how short I am. No, <laughs> oh, no.
1: funny. That is so funny.
0: No, but I um, just I just really prefer the, the the setup, you know, doing it online.
1: Yeah, I really I like it, too. And I consider myself an introverted person. So, you know, in some ways, if you're an introvert, Zoom meetings are awesome.
0: Yeah. My dad tells me that church he doesn't do it on Zoom. I don't. I don't know how he does it, but it's online. It's a stream. And he said uh-huh. that at first he was kind of hesitant. And then he was like, "It's really nice because then I don't have to shake hands with people for two hours, you know." And he's like, "I can just get it done and and go on about my day." And obviously, with COVID, you don't want to be shaking everybody's hand, but uh, I think
1: it's going to continue to be part of all organizations going forward because I think it's convenient. I um, think so. You know, I, yeah, for people, and I think we're going to have to acknowledge that.
0: I think so. And I think it gives access and there's always equity issues with, with internet, but they're, you know, we're working as a community to make sure that everyone has access to it. Mm-hmm. I know the city council meetings. I mean, I, I've been to a couple of those virtually and I would have probably never done that. So, so exactly. So you the, have yes. to
1: go physically down there and sit there for the whole two hours or whatever, and you can attend the meeting online. And yeah, I think it increases civic participation.
0: Totally. Uh, how can we get more people involved, especially young people?
1: Technology. I think you're you, you're right on, you know, with this like the podcast idea and just any kind of social media. That's how we get the younger people uh involved. We yeah. got to I don't know, we got to move into the modern age.
0: Yeah, TikTok is crazy and uh you know, I don't I mean, you can do a lot in small clips, but I prefer more of the nuanced conversation and I feel like we need to get back to more of the nuanced, deeper, long, you know, longer conversations about politics because I think that we need to listen to each other a lot better. And instead of doing these soundbite, you know, someone totally. said it, someone said it like in today's political landscape on the internet, on social media, everybody's just trying to look on, look to dunk on each other. Oh you know? yeah.
1: That is so true. You know? Oh, and yeah. so
0: it's like, uh, we need to find a way to actually listen to each other, maybe that was more, pers- you know, possible in person. And I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, long term. But yeah, I mean, Sean Van Gordon, Mayor Sean Van Gordon, and I, Mayor of Springfield, have talked a lot about civic participation and how to get the young people involved. And the big thing that I see is just make them feel heard. You know, instead of just talking at people, involving them and making them feel heard, because that's how I, I feel. I mean, if I feel like I'm, I'm being heard, then I'm more willing to just engage and listen and go deeper with it so now this is a big year this is why i wanted to have you on 2022 is an election year and depending on where you fall of course you're going to feel like your hair is going to be on fire and that this is going to be the end of everything if it doesn't go the the certain way and who knows it's every time and i think people are so exhausted so that's going to be even more challenging for people like you and me that are going to be having to persuade people to at least consider candidates or or, or ballot measures or whatnot. Uh, what issues do you think are the most important heading into the 2022 uh, election for the Democratic Party?
1: Well, I think we need to uh, just push hard on emphasizing uh, legislation and, and uh, actions that make people's lives better and easier. You know, I I think that Build Back Better Act needs to get passed. We need uh, paid family leave. We need, you know, the federal minimum wage needs to increase. You know, we've got to push those real economic issues that are important to people, but also voting rights. our, Our democracy is seriously under attack right now. Unfortunately, there's a one of the two main political parties doesn't seem to think everybody should have access to voting.
0: It's pretty wild. I don't understand why someone would want, well, I mean, I know why, but I don't understand why someone would push for less voting, but it's a scare tactic because if you, if you challenge the, the turnout, if you challenge people from voting and you, and you say that you're like, Oh, you know, we have all these illegals and all these, um dead people voting there was like four you know and what it, it allows you to do is then if it doesn't go your way then you can cry foul after the fact and, and it's i mean it's so transparent and now what we're seeing on the national level with secretary of states being put in power that are going to be basically willing to throw out the election it's going to be really scary so far it's pretty you know, scary yeah it is pretty scary and that's where It's difficult because I don't want to have this doom and gloom attitude because it's not going to pull anybody else in. It's putting us deeper into our corners. So that's tough. When people that you're talking to and you're knocking on doors and you're phone banking and and you're talking to the voter locally, do you find yourself sometimes having to kind of separate the national and the local government? Because a lot of times people will just they associate the Democratic Party, like I said before, with these big names that Like Nancy Pelosi, for example. Nancy Pelosi is extremely polarizing. And totally. and obviously, locally, Kate Brown is as well. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that are like, nope, they're just out. And those people, you may never get them. But is sometimes can you find ways to find common ground with maybe more, we'll say with moderate voters, people that may, they're the swing voters, the ones that are the most important. What kind of tactics do you use? I mean, is there a way that you can kind of be like, eh, yeah, I kind of agree with you on the, on the national stuff. But on the local stuff, what can we do to find common ground? Is that kind of something that you have to try to find? Yeah, out?
1: I think every conversation you have is unique, and you get a feel for what the person. You listen for starters. You listen to what they believe, and you know you you want them to know that you hear them and you hear their concerns. And I just kind of remind people that all politics is local, and that you and I and every. Democrat registered democrat is in you know, Oregon we are the Democratic Party of Oregon
2: you yeah. know
0: it's different um, yeah cuz there's candidates that a lot of people across the board like like DeFazio okay so let's sure. Peter DeFazio is somebody that I have friends that of course there's going to be people that despise any politician you know that's and that's going to and that's going to happen but you have people that are are kind of off the left and right paradigm they're like I don't like either that are kinda mm-hmm. on board with him. Cause Peter DeFazio ran as a Democrat, yes, but he ran as an independent, I mean, his campaign was about independent thinking. Totally. Uh, how difficult is it gonna be to replace him? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's massive. You
1: know, it's gonna be difficult to replace him. I think when I heard that he wasn't running again, I had, it was like, I had like a gut punch kinda feeling like, oh, you know?
0: Yeah, especially um, this year, you know.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, because it's going to be a tough year because traditionally that first congressional election in a president's term doesn't go well for the party in office. I mean, it's only, there's only been a couple times in history where that hasn't been true. And I think one of them was Roosevelt and the other one was George W. Bush right after, and it was right after 9-11. Right. You know, Um, so, you know, history points to it not going well for the Democratic Party. And so I think I was just like, oh God, the last thing we need is to have to, you know, have a new candidate out there. But on the other hand, the district, uh, Congressional District 4, after redistricting is more. It's more blue than it was before. Um, So it's going to be easier for a Democratic candidate than it always was for Peter Defazio, because I believe um, the part of Douglas County and Jackson County are now moved into um, CD2 with Eastern Oregon. Um, And then CD4 bumps up into Lincoln County, so... um, it, it, it will be easier for a Democrat, and I suspect we're going to have some really good candidates running. I know Val Hoyle, who is the current Labor Commissioner for Oregon, has announced, and yeah, I really and, like Val.
0: And she's probably, um, the, as of right now, probably the favorite. You know, I mean, it's hard to say that, you know, this early on, but she's got a name recognition, definitely, for sure.
1: She probably is, um, but you never know. No, exactly. Um, I mean, my, Jenny, my wife's mom, when they were talking about it, because I believe that, um, I can't remember her name, It's I'm blanking on it, um, she represents the Corvallis area in the Oregon um, house, is also announced that she's going to run or is likely to run. And uh, it, Jenny's mom hadn't heard of Valhalla, even sure. though she's our. Labor here,
0: So, well, yeah. I mean, I, there's, you know, I I wouldn't know a lot about her either. You know, to be honest with you, I mean, it's this is kind of why I do this show is because not only do mm-hmm. I get to learn about it, but there's a lack in information. Not not lack in information. There's there's a lack of of stuff that grabs you. You know, it's like it's just a lot of local government is so campy for people, and they're just like it feels like class. You know, it feels like school and they just don't like it. (laughs)
1: Totally.
0: And so, uh, you know, people like me and people like Thomas Huda, we're trying to trying to introduce people like you to the community so that they understand that there's just there's great people doing great work and they're just like everyone else, you know. And then also that people can get involved. I mean, that, you know, if you're interested in becoming a precinct committee person, all you got to do is reach out to me or anybody in the Democratic Party of Lane County and we'll figure out. How to get you on board. Uh it's it's been awesome to see the the circle grow. I mean, I, I remember watching a friend like Isaiah Wagner uh become yeah. become an an alternate delegate, I believe. I mean, it's really yeah. it's really cool stuff that's happening for average people, you know, and so that's really good. I am gonna have uh I hope I'm saying it right, Andrew Kalich Kalich. Mm-hmm. He's gonna be on the podcast in February. He's running for Congress. Uh, and I was I was he came into the barbershop and uh, my, my George, my buddy George cut his hair, but he was talking about how he's going to run. And, and, you know, I'm like, Hey, I want to, I want to get you on. Cause I want to get as much opportunity, especially for the up and coming candidates because they bring a fresh perspective. Totally. And so that'll be really cool. Uh, and then Chris Wig is going to come on and we're going to talk about redistricting a lot more. I'm going to try to try to have him. He's got some strong opinions about it. Chris Wig is the chair of the democratic party of Lane County, and he's got some strong opinions about it that I'm sure he'd be willing to share. So uh, that'll be really good, and so we had talked about uh, some of your biggest influences. You said your mom. I want to get one in history, someone that's not no longer with us, and then I'll tell you one of mine. So in history, but modern history, you know, who is somebody that inspires you, uh, not just politically, but as a human being, or however you want to go with
1: that. Well, in politically, I would say uh, George McGovern. Yeah, Uh, just because he was my senator in South Dakota when I was growing up and then he ran for president in 1972 against Richard Nixon and uh, as the anti-war candidate, you know, Uh, so George McGovern is one for sure. Um,
0: I think a big one for me is is always been Bobby Kennedy. Yeah, because. Uh, you know, YouTube has allowed me to go and sit back and just close my eyes, put on some Bobby Kennedy speeches, yeah. and kind of visualize the '60s because it was so. I mean, it's very well documented everything in the '60s, even though there's all kinds of conspiracies and stuff about Kennedy and all the, you know, JFK and probably mm-hmm. Bobby and all that stuff too. But just incredible uh, wordsmith and yeah. so deep with the pain that he was feeling because the speeches I'm talking about. Bobby was giving speeches when he was running for president and he had just announced his run and he had already witnessed his brother being assassinated. He's mm-hmm. already witnessed Martin Luther King being assassinated. Yeah. So this is just a really interesting time period in our, in our history. Uh, but yeah, locally there's a lot of, there's a lot of awesome people that I wouldn't even want to drop one name cause I'd leave one out. But the one thing for me doing this show, I've really learned just how much, uh, empathy and how much passion people have for our local community. I mean, people like I'm gonna just rob one name. I mean, it's not like there's a competition, but Kevin Cronin, getting to know Kevin Cronin oh, on the so episode awesome. and the work that he does uh with, you know, affordable housing. Oh, yeah. That dude is so passionate. You know, and and so I think it's really cool to get to learn more about these people because there's just so much good work going on. And I, I had I get naysayers and I had someone attacking me on that. it was a different episode but they were basically saying like uh, I was doing the one with shelter care and someone chimed in and they're like none of this is going to matter until we can rein in corporate greed and I'm like what do you want me to do about you know Walmart and Amazon and Springfield Oregon I mean I'm only doing my part so that we can yes it's band-aid solutions but we have to do something today you know so I don't know I'm getting off the point Uh, yeah we
1: just have to keep working I mean that's you got to keep moving forward you know yeah you just do
0: yeah so now if somebody's interested in becoming a precinct committee person, uh, precinct committee person is, is kind of, a, you know, it's like a, a volunteer plus. I mean, you're basically just working with the Democratic Party and your job is going to, you'll have access to, um, you know, the people in your neighborhood, if you're part of the mm-hmm. Neighborhood Leader Program. If people are interested in doing that, where would they go?
1: Uh, they could go to the DPLC website. I believe there's a place to... Um Sign up and say you're interested in volunteering. Um, they can get a hold of me.
0: Um, it's pretty easy. I can easy. give you my yeah. email. Yeah, the information is very accessible on the website. I really yeah. encourage a lot of people listening to do it because, like I had said before, it's a big umbrella. Going to the meetings, you've been extremely gracious and welcoming, and it, there's some heavy hitters in these meetings that I'm in. People that have been involved in a long time, and it's intimidating at first because here I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm so new to this. This is the first time I've ever been involved with these meetings. And everybody's been really welcoming, you know? And uh, it's funny that people that are the two most involved in our meetings are newer to the area, which is really mm. good to see, you know? And totally. and they'll know who they are. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, and and they're really, it's really good to see because there's people that are like, how does this work? And they're asking questions. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, thank you for asking that because I do I, not, I don't know the answer either, you know. And so it's really cool to sit back and watch. So we're gonna change gears a little bit. Uh, we're gonna talk about your art. So oh, you yeah. So your art your it's impressionist art. Is that is that right? Yeah. Uh,
1: I would say so. Yeah.
0: The website uh, which is irenehenjemfineart dot com, which will be in the show notes. Uh, the website says bold, colorful, experimental. And that when you were a kid, every inch of your bedroom wall was covered in drawings. Tell me about your art and why you know why you do it and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, I do it because I just have to. Yeah, I don't know if you. Like you're a musician, so you are going to understand this. The zo- getting in the zone. You know that, where, where time just falls away and you're so focused on what you're doing. I think that's why I do art. It's just I have to do it.
0: Yeah. It's like meditation. It's therapy for sure. Yes. Yeah. So uh, your website looks good. And uh, you said off air that this is a new website. This is kind of a new. It, it is. Yeah. Is that something you're doing yourself or?
1: Uh, it's hosted through a organization called Art Storefronts. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, websites for artists.
0: Have you done a lot of the art walks and those kind of things?
1: You know, and it's been a while since I have done those. Years ago, I was involved with the New Zone Gallery when I first moved to Oregon, like in the um, early 90s. Um, and, you know, in the past, I've been involved with the Emerald Art Center, uh, that kind of thing, and gone to some of those. But it's on my radar to start doing more of that again.
0: Right, Yeah. I've gone to a couple art walks downtown and, and again, it's like, it's not normally my thing, but it's neat to go check out. One of the things I did get to do this year is when we went to Ireland, we went to the National Gallery of Ireland, which was, which it was free. And we walk Mm -hmm. in and I'm like, ah, you know, my girlfriend's great. Cause I'm like, I want to go check this out, but I don't want to be here long. She's like, as soon as you get bored, we'll leave. And I'm like, perfect. And we were there for about an hour, but we're walking through and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a Monet. that's that's a Picasso, you know, and, and that's a Van Gogh. And I'm just like, this is insane. So, I mean, and also just how the difference to me between something that's just magnificent art and just poo poo, you know, for in (laughs) in someone's mind, I have no idea because I look at some of it and I'm like, I like this one right here. And it was like age 12, you know? And I mean, I just, you know what you like, but I do think that what I've seen the kind of work that you do and I can see how it would be something where you just escape. Cause you probably don't necessarily have a plan when you're doing no. the, the pictures. It's just kind of, uh, the way that the website says is that it's, it's familiar, comfortable shapes, you know, blended with color and all that kind of stuff. So it just kind of, it just goes where it goes. And that's really therapeutic. I could see how that would be amazing. Uh, yeah, so if you're interested in checking out your art, I did use one of them for the flyer. Uh, Sweet. It's Irene Hengem, fineart.com, uh, and then it's in the show notes. So Irene Hengem, thank you so much. Uh, this is going to be a huge year. We're going to be doing a lot of work, and I wanted to get you on early because I know you're going to be busy. Because- Very. <laughs> yeah. So anybody listening, if you're interested in becoming a precinct committee person, message me message Irene, go to the Democratic Party of Lane County's website, DPLC, I think .org, probably. I'm not sure. And
1: you're all, everybody's welcome.
0: Anybody's welcome. And, you know, like I had said, big umbrella. We want as many different types of people as we can get. Totally. Uh, obviously we would love to have marginalized voices. Yes. Uh, you know, that's something that it, it makes everything better. I live in Springfield and I'm incredibly proud of the representation changing the way that it, there's more people being heard from I'm going to be doing a podcast yes. in a couple of weeks with both uh Corey Rodley and Damien Pitts yeah and that'll I saw be that. a That's joint be so a good. joint episode yeah they're both on on city council and uh Damien being a black man Corey Rodley being a lesbian woman I think is going to be great because this is something that in the 90s you may not have seen you know and we had talked oh, about the the changes have. No, so Springfield is really evolving. And I also think that Springfield's a different thing because it's not so people think that there's this extremist right, and yes, that exists, but there's also extremist left. And I think that, that for true. the most part, I'm saying in Springfield, and for the most part, there's a lot of people that are actually willing to have a conversation and be respectful to each other. And I that think when you have stuff that's not so ex- like the uh, the pendulum isn't so strong one way or the other in in mm-hmm. a local area uh, it basically uh, it it keeps people a little bit more honest i'm not a huge fan of the two party system but there is some benefits because when we go too yeah. far when we go too far one of the things i see with eugene is is there's a lot of activist politicians and
1: activism is good everything is all good it all has a role yeah you know activists help push the dialogue
0: that's a fact that's actually a really good way of looking at it is is that it pushes the dialogue that's true because
1: it needs to be otherwise nothing ever changes
0: i had a guy one time tell me that that he's like sometimes we have to push for more than we want because then we'll get what we want and i'm like oh that's true but you have to pick your battles too because sometimes you can disenfranchise yeah you do
1: also have to pick your battles
0: it's it's a balance you know balancing act well irene Jim, thank you so much for doing this this is the 150th episode of the spent the rent podcast I'm going to end this with a song, and since it's New Year's, I chose a song I made way back in the day, like 2009. This is me, Patty Rose, and a, uh, I did this song with a buddy, Sly Guy. This is the song, New Day.
2: In the back of conceptual thought, I wonder why like money I was bought. Forgot about my placement, my identities, can't put an end into the casualties, casualties and casualties. Ties make it hard to sympathize. The families fail tries. I'll try to empathize. I'm feeling good today. There's not much that could bother me. Sometimes irritated, but I'm addicted to the finer things. Finally thinking in a positive way. And some for it was a mine when he says it's a blessed day. A blessed day it is. It's a blessing to be alive. and I feel sorry for the people that won't give themselves a try. Give yourself a break. Compliment your own reflection. Daily affirmation is the start of a new conception. It's a new day, new star. Welcome to the light. Don't gotta hide in the dark. It's a new day, new star. Welcome to the light. your hands the government's demands and one nation under the eye of an all spectator the problem is when you die it's not because of the creator suffrage in our souls apathy has taken control like sheep we've walked as men A new day, new start